Welcome to season four. I'm very excited again. So let's start a little bit about our session. Today, our session is about drone innovation uh, in the Middle East with Rabia Burashid, the founder and CEO of FEDS. He's an amazing guy, amazing innovator, an amazing disruptor of technology. From 3D mapping to deliveries, construction site management to rescue operations, the commercial use of drones is soaring around the world. But as drones take to our skies, entrepreneur Rabi Rashid believes their biggest potential is on land. The next big idea is to improve on many aspects of the, of the agricultural phases. In Dubai, Burashid runs one of the world's top drone service providers, operating drones for the construction, mining, infrastructure and oil and gas industries. But he is now shifting his focus to agriculture, betting drones can make the sector sustainable. We're making sure that we're not wasting water, we're not wasting uh, feed, we're not wasting uh, things, so that, that's what the drone brings into the table. By using smart sensors, 3D mapping systems and thermal cameras, Burashid says drones can check the precise amount of water crops need, detect early diseases and feed plants without wasting fertilizer. When you use drones, you can calculate what exactly needs to be fed, what exactly doesn't need to be fed and precisely just you know, take care of these plants. You could easily increase your crop by let's say 5 to 10 percent when you're using drones for early detection. The agriculture drone market could be worth as much as $5.7 billion by 2025, according to research by Markets and Markets. While the use of drones in the sector is still niche, Burashid believes as the technology becomes more advanced and efficient, farmers will adopt more readily. You could see that there's going to be demand for sustainable ways to go forward. What the drone does is bring this to marginal farmers, bring this technology to everyone. More drones may soon glide over cities and make deliveries at our doorsteps. And with continuing advances in technology, could also make a positive difference in the lives of farmers around the world. Eleni Jakas, CNN. So uh, it's a beautiful you know, interview with CNN. It's, uh, it's an honor to be also you know, featured there. I'm just going to ask, you know, I didn't ask you this question, but $5.7 billion a market, you know, <laughs> that's a huge market in terms of where we are today and the niche where things are going. Uh, what is the Middle East market so far and where will it grow in that $5.7 billion? Yeah, I mean, the, the focus here, the, the $5.7 billion is a small number. She's just focusing on the agricultural sector, really. Uh, when we're talking drones in general, um, it's it's closer on the even commercial use, not mentioning military, obviously, because military always takes the biggest piece of the pie. Uh, but it's closer to 20 billion, really, when we when when you're including all applications. For the Middle East, we're actually not not that bad compared to the rest of the world. And again, it depends on which country. So in the UAE, for instance, uh, the regulations were ready in 2015. Uh, they allow us to fly. They're heavily regulated, but you can you can innovate. You can try. There's uh, there's room for um, research and development. And the agriculture sector, obviously, it's not huge here, but we have parts of the Middle East that have a lot of farmland that could benefit from drones. And we we are considered 
a um, an arid land. You know, we don't have enough rainwater. So the beauty of innovating with agriculture in the Middle East is because with global warming, we're, we're future ready, right? As, as the heat moves north slowly, slowly, uh, future countries are not ready for the draft or the, the, the heat that we are used to here. So innovating here will allow us to, to serve future, you know, assuming, you know, the, the plant is going to keep heating up. Um, it, will, it will give us an advantage on future, you know, problems. When we when we experiment in uh, in our climate, so it's a it's a it's a beautiful bed to 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 work in. Um, in terms of ROI, we don't see it as such uh, in the agricultural sector, obviously, because you know that's what the video really focused on. But obviously, there's so many verticals that the drone can do and serve. Uh, I don't know to how much details you want to go in in each of them. Uh, well, it's a huge huge market. So um, thank you. Uh, it's a huge market and uh, there's a lot of possibilities, yes. So we know drones, but what's new on the trends-wise, uh, the business, other than the normal entertainment and photography? We've seen from your video, it's used in uh, uh, agriculture. What are other uses of these drones today? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it surely started with entertainment being the number one application, but that 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 is not the case anymore. The biggest use of drone today is for uh, critical asset inspections. So almost every company that is responsible for um, a preventive maintenance uh, is using drone, if not completely relying on drones. So critical asset inspection today, in my opinion, is the biggest use of drones. Uh, followed by aerial mapping, which is basically collecting data from the sky, from the drone, and converting them into maps. Um, this application completely disrupted the basically the old ground surveys, topography business. Uh, you see every student that studies surveying at school immediately joins a drone company. So that's another huge application for, for drones. Um, third is agriculture, as, as mentioned. Agriculture and remote sensing has been going on forever. You know, all the all the expensive crops like, you know, the, the, the wine industry in France, the corn business in, in the US, all of these are huge industries. They, they, relied, they relied on satellite data to, to manage their, uh, their crop heads. Uh, what the drone does is just makes it more valid, more precise. So precision agriculture and smart agriculture is what the drone bring. Um, beside those three applications, obviously you have the logistics. So drone deliveries which is, um, I don't know what the audience, uh, your audience think about it, but it's something that's going to happen. Um, it's, it's, it's an unstoppable train that is coming to, towards us. Most deliveries, especially the last mile, will be done by drones. Um, and then obviously you have the security side of things where you use drones for uh, border surveillance, for perimeter control, for um, any form of security checks, um, uh, search and rescue, uh, fire, fire help. You know, you send a drone to look uh, early detection of fires. You know, again, uh, we have so many fires last year. So having a drone monitor these areas will will have early detection of hotspots and, you know, get involved before it turns into a disaster. Um, honestly, there's hundreds and hundreds of applications. I started with like the biggest uses, the biggest, you know, actually uh, applications that are making money. But then we move to applications that are experimental, like you know, uh, uh, air quality sampling. Right? We send, we put a sensor and send it on the drone. It collects, uh, it collects uh, air quality from different levels from the sky. 
Um, we use them for uh, cell phone management to, to look for. Uh, at the end of the day, you need to see the drone as a robot that flies. You know, so and what you equip that robot, which sensor, which payload, it's really the imagination could uh, could take over from there. Interesting, interesting. Thank you, Rabia. Uh, <laughs> I would love to be in your shoes. Uh, what made you actually start in that journey? Yeah, I mean, I pointed a bit in the beginning. I was actually really looking for the next thing to do, right? So um, I want to start something different. I uh, my biggest passion would be to build brands, to start something you know that didn't exist and create it and and build it and and make it good. And drones really resonated at the time, so that was. Um, I just stumbled upon them. And, you know, after a bit of research, it really showed that there is an advantage. Um, there were a few countries. At the time, it was um, Australia, Poland, uh, South Africa. They were a bit ahead than other countries in terms of um, innovation. So they had regulations. They were allowing flights. But it was uh, illegal in many countries. You know, in, in, the, in, the, in North America, it wasn't allowed. In most of Europe, it wasn't allowed. Definitely not allowed in the Middle East. So they definitely, I mean, again, it's easy in hindsight to say that we, we, we saw that there's a gap because uh, a lot of people really doubted that this could be a real business. But today we, we were right, basically, is what we could say, that we saw that there's a gap. We saw that the business could help. Uh, the drones were being invented and built, but no one can fly them. There is no drone school. There is no university that graduated to operate a drone. So knowing that the drone can help and no one can fly the drone, um, kind of created the need for companies like us to start. And there's another hurdle of legalities, right? So let's say you learned how to fly, you're a pilot now, but how do you legally fly without getting arrested? So that's what the two things that we tackled initially that we, we will get you to fly. Obviously now our business evolved a lot and we are more of a data company, obviously drone data management, but initially it was uh, just drone expertise in the sense of we can get you to fly, we can get you, we can give you aerial data, and it moved from there. But yeah, the really the challenge, the the risk. I mean, um, you know, it's an entrepreneurial mindset where you just want to take risk, you want to do something new, you want to make a change, you want to build something. That was really the the drive, and being new and unique really kind of uh, what pushed me. And Dubai was chosen because. It's, I, I wanted to, you know, go back to the Middle East. I was not living in the region and I wanted to choose, you know, a good city. So to me, it was between, uh, between Beirut or Dubai. And, you know, with Beirut, every time I decide to go there, something goes wrong that tells me maybe, maybe next year or maybe the year after or maybe so on. So eventually I settled to, on Dubai. And again, no regrets. Hindsight, I'm a genius, right? So, so I, I, I guess I got lucky with my uh, decisions. Yeah, indeed. The right time, the right place, the right... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you utilize normal drones or, uh, you know, off the shelf or you upgrade them or you create or they are fully made in your companies or yeah. you have innovated to the point where, you know, now you are a manufacturer, kind of a manufacturer? Yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't manufacture. Um, initially, we had to do a lot of uh, development ourselves because you couldn't find a system to do what you want to do. So the first application, it was, we would put a system together. We won't build it from scratch. We will get the frames, we'll get the uh, motors, we will connect some things. And the, the biggest innovation from our side was the payload, how to integrate the payload, how to integrate the sensor to get what we were trying to do. Um, 
one of the biggest things we did, we put together is a high resolution sensor that can, can detect uh, millimeter cracks from, from acids. So we, we did it first on power lines. But today there's absolutely no need for that. There's so many manufacturers out there and the drones keeps getting better and better and cheaper and cheaper. So we're finding the need for our um, kind of engineering department is less needed. So we're, our innovation more is focused on software. So, you know, you have companies like DJI, for instance, um, every six to seven months, they release a new system that is, you know, almost twice as good as the previous model, uh, about 20% cheaper and with a payload that is, that is much better. Uh, a drone as a system, as a flying machine itself, isn't that complicated, but how do we keep it stable? How do you get good GPS signal? How do you get uh, a good quality image is, is what we strive for. So once, once there was enough companies building the things, there's, there's no need for us to manufacture. So um, it's still very rare occasions where we, where we see that it still happens, but not as it, as it used to be. So we don't, you know, uh, I won't call them off the shelf because they're really enterprise high level uh, drones. But yes, there is, we don't put them together anymore. Yeah, thanks. I just want to share the results of the poll. Uh, okay. Do you think uh, drones are the future technologies? And most of you, 73% answered yes, definitely. Some of you are skeptical. And one of you is uh, no, never. So uh, interesting results. We understand that they are the future and they will be, and I will be asking also uh, Rabia about the question of the future of the drones and, uh, and in, a few, in a few moments. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for answering. If you have any questions, now is the right time to ask it. And uh, hopefully if you want to ask it live, just save it till the end and raise your hand. So uh, I'm going to start the second poll. Meanwhile, uh, I'm going to ask also Rabia another uh, interesting uh, question. Now, you mentioned something in your uh, intro, I think, or a few minutes ago, that you now became a data company, not a drone company. So uh, how is the AI playing a role in the drone systems, automation, decision-making, you know, all of these advanced mechanisms that you are today deploying on top of the drones as possibly drones became, became a sensor of data collection? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we have to deploy AI. So, so the simplest form of AI that we started with is um, for feature extraction, really. So... So we, we, we fly large areas so and, and you have a lot of data that you need to extract. And there's no other way to do this efficiently and, and proper way without, without the reliance on AI. So, and that could mean many things. So, and we had application where I need to count trees, for instance. That's straightforward. That's not very complicated. Um, we just need to train the model on, on you know, a top-down view um, and you know, the, the, the teaches some shapes. So that's, that's the basic form. But then we had to train it to, to find uh, anomalies like uh, rust in uh, conductors, for instance, or cracks in insulators or loose bolts and so on. So that's, um, that's our first access to or work with AI, which is things we develop in-house because we, we own the data and we're not allowed to kind of share the data because obviously it's client uh, owned and it shouldn't leave uh, certain servers. So that's one of the things that we do now. But obviously, AI goes beyond that. So what, the, what we're looking for now is uh, training a drone to actually do the work on its own. 
And that's why we, we don't call ourselves as a drone company anymore because if the drone flies on its own, you don't need to be on the field. So the drone will do, will do the work. We will just handle the data. So today you could, you could use, for instance, um, you could scan something by LiDAR and feed it to the drone and the drone will know how to not uh, collide with the property you're trying to inspect. So that's one form of uh, kind of training. But eventually we're going to get to a point where the drone have, rather than a sensor, it's more of an eye that detects, recognize, and make decision on what to do next, whether to avoid, whether not to avoid, and so on. So we don't have it yet. Our automation is still fairly basic, but the future of AI would be automatic recognition. So today our sense and avoid is is fairly on the dumb side, not much, not very intelligent, really. So you detect an object, you stop. Uh, you, the, it's like a visual sensor or an audible sensor. It, it allows you to detect that there's something around you, then you stop and you, and, and you maneuver. Uh, and it's more like a radar sensor where you could, you could detect when the signal comes back, where's your opening, where's your obstacles and so on. But the future would be a complete eye that really detect, and it's not too far, it's, it's already on automated cars. The problem is shrinking them enough to be able to fly, really. So, so the, the challenge of a drone is its weight limitation. So you don't want a system that is too heavy or too big. Um, and if it's too small, then the electronics that comes with it needs to be small as well. Um, and we're getting there. You know, like five years ago, we couldn't put the LiDAR on a drone. We couldn't do a proper LiDAR scan because the, the lightest LiDAR was about 20 kilos. Today, you can get one for, for one kg. Um, and hopefully, when, when computer computing power becomes smaller and smaller, then we can have edge computing on the drone that is not too heavy. That would allow us to carry on because weight is really, really a big issue for us because weight translates to power and we're not good really in terms of planet with our power technology. So we're still stuck with lithium um, polymer, which is really an old uh, technology. And some say we squeeze as much as we can from uh, LiPo batteries. There's not much we could innovate in that sense. And some say, no, we can get more juice out of this. But the reality is it's been years and years and years that we haven't found a new source of power that would power the drone. Obviously, the argument would be we have um, we could use non-green technologies to, to fly, obviously, but we don't want that. Uh, there's obviously the hydrogen fuel cell, which is which is considered green, but uh, today is expensive. And, and I don't want to say unsafe because obviously you can build it to be safe, but not cost effective you know you have to bring them back you have to refill them but so lipo is still our best source of power in terms of green so with a better source of power i don't know somebody smarter than uh, than the current generation i guess have to invent it uh, then probably weight and uh, for bigger sensor would be would be would help us to implement more because another thing that we see with uh, with future and ai is is adding robotic arms so today Yes, yes. I, I, I used to inspect land, take the data, take it to the office, manually process it, and then the next day send it to my client. Today, we, we could broadcast the data live. Also, I can even process, so I can broadcast live, process immediately, and share it with the client on the same day. But all of this gives them, even in preventive maintenance or emergency maintenance, it gives them information only, right? So they still need to deploy, they still need to, to run. But we could add uh, robotic arms eventually that we could fix. So if I'm dealing with loose bolts, I can fix them on the spot. If I'm dealing with cracks, I can I can mend them. Uh, if I'm dealing with, I don't know, whatever problems that we, we're thinking of, uh, leaks uh, and so on, then we can really do them on the spot. And this is where we go back again to the weight. So without efficiency of size, I need a better source of power to keep that drone 
high in the sky. That's really where AI comes in. I mean, we we need to get to a point where I don't need to leave my office and the drone would do the job. Uh, eventually, you know, instead of being with the drone about, you know, like for every second it's flying, I just check on it once a week to make sure, you know, its nest or its cage is, is safe. Um, you know, there's no sandstorm that, you know, natural, uh, no tree fell on it. Like basically like other automated things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as you said in your report, technology is at a point where, you know, it's not really there yet. It is there, but it's not really fully there. Yeah. And it's progressing uh, as we speak. And one of the major problems is, is really the juice, the battery, and <laughs> how can you, how much can you stay up in the air and, you know, yeah. power all of those tools. And we've seen a lot of innovations. We've seen uh, taxi drones, I think, in Dubai, they will be deployed. But I think this is on a bigger scale, on a bigger, uh, you know, uh, not technology, but definitely on a bigger scale, it can, you know, uh, take you further, but on different missions and so on. And you have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, also the, 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 the sun and the heat plays a factor also. To kill the, yeah. the the battery because uh, I I fly drones also so uh, that's one of the you know either uh, uh, too cold or too hot is yeah. two factors that you have to factor in. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have uh, a question from uh, from Wael. Uh, it's about training. Is it possible to attend a training program if not based in in Dubai? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we run training programs for anyone. The problem would be certifying you. So if you're um, if you're based in Lebanon, there's no certifying body that accepts you know international certification. So we can train you. We can give you a local certificate, but it won't be government, let's say, approved. If you if you have a residency in Dubai, then we can get you Dubai Civil Aviation approved you know pilot license that allows you to fly in the UAE. And some other countries accept it as a form of of uh, flight. So depending, I guess, where you're based, you can be trained, but your certification will depend on your location. Yeah. So let's check on the on the second poll. Do you think will drones integrate with artificial intelligence to become smarter? So what is the future of drones or what are the future of drones in our daily lives? Will it be something like those movies that we saw or we see these futuristic movies? Will it be integrated in smart cities? Are you working on any project related to smart cities? Okay, so, I mean, yes, I guess depending on which movie you watched, but for me, it's it's very realistic that uh, looking out your window, you will see drones constantly going back and forth doing their jobs. Um, last mile delivery, for sure. Uh, it already started. We already have deliveries. Today, it's a bit harder to do it in busy, uh, congested cities, but we're getting there. But in, 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 in small towns, um, deliveries are happening. It's a real thing. And it's, it will spread. Uh, there's a company in Ireland doing about um, 600 to 1,000 deliveries every day, including coffees and ice creams, right? And, and they probably insisted on coffees and ice cream just to prove a point that we can bring you your ice cream before it melts, and I can bring you your coffee before it gets cold. Um, their average delivery time is two and a half minutes. So let's say three minutes delivery. Um, so, so one view for me is, is you drones will be flying, you know, everywhere. They will have our own corridors. So, you know, you, you'll follow corridors and then you'll, you'll, you'll turn left and right, depending on where your delivery route. Um, another thing that drones will be doing is on construction sites. So today you see when, when there's a huge building or a, or a tower or a mall or whatever is, is going up, 
you see the scaffolding, you see the, the cranes, you see people going up and down. Um, not far from now, it will be mostly robot flying robotics or drones that will be doing most of the what we consider today is uh, health and risky, uh, health and safety risky pro uh, job. So today, well, this is what we do anyway. So we're replacing complicated job with that, but there's things drone can't do. So on a construction site, instead of people climbing up and sending whatever it is they do, welding, all that stuff, it will become uh, mostly uh, done by drones. Um, integration into, into, into smart city, it's going to be a, an absolute yes. Uh, again, the same example as uh, driverless and automated cars. All the data, every, every driverless car have uh, sensors around it, depending on which model you're talking about, 16 to, to probably 20 sensors. These are made of LiDAR sensors uh, and visual sensors. All of these data is collected and shared in, a, in, a one, in one network and between all other cars. So, and it's the same will apply to a drone. A drone flying, it detects a bird instantly. Every drone in the vicinity will know there's a, there's a bird population. So we could move out of the way or we can inform, you know, that there's, there's birds coming, just like a car would, would realize there's, there's an incident or there's something. And so it will definitely integrate. It will be, uh, in simple term, a huge server collecting all the data and instantly sharing it with every other drone um, out there. And, and obviously all this data is being analyzed on the go for municipalities or road authorities to, to and again, civil aviation in our case, to, to take actions and, and improve. It's kind of um, really the one way forward to, I mean, the way I see this in no brain is just, this is it. This is the only direction for them to integrate into all these uh, smart cities. Uh, thank you. I just want to say thank you, Paul, for your comment. Uh, the questions are made simple for a specific reason, so we can understand how uh, our audience interacts, what is audience level, knowing that most of them are newbies to the topic and uh, some of them are advanced, it seems, such as you. Uh, thank you again for your comments so you can understand. As uh, the poll, this new poll, will drones integrate with artificial intelligence? 18% will say not necessarily. In our opinion, I think <laughs> it will heavily be integrated with AI. It is already integrated with AI. I would see, I think the, the near future that the commercial drones will, will have an AI chip on them for more autonomous. They are currently using technology based on your mobile and other things, but I think for more automation and autonomous systems, we will be seeing more AI uh, integrations with that. So I would say I have 30% who don't believe or don't think AI will be playing a bigger role uh, for them, uh, while the others, thank you for your, uh, you know, for answering the polls. Um, we're gonna take another question uh, about uh, what's the role of five G? Does it have any part in your technology, or uh, currently no? It's fully about radio and satellites. Uh, no, five G. I mean, we started to integrate five G. The beauty of five G is it's gonna make the previous question possible. So obviously, we, the the amount of data that we be Broadcasting is going to need a huge uh, broadband, and 5G can can afford that. So today we could convert the drone to fly on 5G. So instead of using um, you know RF signal or um, or satellite data, which is very expensive, we can rely on 5G. And obviously 5G makes it as long as you have network, then you can control the drone from anywhere. So almost uh, unlimited range for controlling the drone, really, because obviously you have limitation in range in terms of endurance, but um, 
uh, 5G also allows you to do that broadcast of live feed um, in high resolution, but 4G could do that. So 5G will be really, really will shine when we're sending all these massive data. So when I want to um, send really huge packets of data on, on the go to integrate it into a smart city or whatever, you know, IoT system, whatever it is, this is when 5G will, will shine. But, you know, again, depending which country you're in. So here it's almost um, uh, in all the major, let's say, populated areas or already 5G. So to convert your drone into 5G, then it's... Um, it's fairly easy, really. It's um, you just convert the communication system from RF to to you know cellular network and fly. Obviously, the risk then is your reliance uh, in terms of uh, redundancies is on a third party because if, let's say you're connected into the two network we have here. If uh, if something goes wrong to the to the cell network, then cell network. Um, there is no redundancy. If you're out of range, obviously you can always leave the RF as a redundancy. But if you're out of range then your reliance is on third party. So there's a bit of fear of that because, you know, even in very advanced countries, the net will do drop and it only takes a 10 second or a millisecond drop to really lose uh, connection. Again, there's always redundancy. And I don't want to make it sound uh, too glum. <laughs> well, but, that's, uh, that's why they are going to the, to the 5G for better redundancy, better yeah. performance. And, you know, Tesla will be one of the main pillars for them to, to function. Fully yeah. autonomous is a 5G network with all of those sensors and AI built in in, in, in the machine. Exactly. I ask you a quick question. I saw two types of drones, you know, the normal propeller, uh, four propellers or more, and uh, the gliding drones, if I'm not mistaken, we call them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we call them fixed wings and, and multi-rotors. The, the naming is anybody's guess, really. So for, for some, a drone is not, a fixed wing, a drone is just the one that have multiple propellers. So it could be a quadcopter, a hexacopter, or an octocopter, or whatever. And the fixed wing is just, you know, a, a plane model or whatever. Uh, for us, it's just fixed wing and multi-rotors. Um, obviously, they serve two different purposes. So the fixed wing have better aerodynamics and can fly longer. So it's used when we need to map large areas. But it lacks okay. the capability of hovering and, and you know, coming close to, to objects. So, which uh, we use a multi-rotor for close-up inspection, for, you know, static uh, surveys and stuff like this. And obviously there's the hybrids, but the hybrid just helps us uh, to remove the need for a runway, but it still doesn't, doesn't eliminate the role of a, of a multi-rotor or for uh, uh, hovering purposes. And um, again, we can get really deep in the subject, so I'm not sure how, how technical you want us to go. No, I just uh, want, uh, you know, to make yeah. the difference uh, clear. Because I saw both of them, and then yeah. uh, somebody asked me privately here, what is the difference? So I just wanted to okay. portray so that they, they understand. Um, let's ask about our region, which really needs this innovation. And you are okay. one of the innovators. Um, I think you did answer why the UAE uh, and the Middle East, not, why not US and EU? You know, why, okay. you know, you, you, your innovation, you're not taking it. Did you take it? Are you expanding? Uh, yeah. You know, all of this. Okay, so yeah, so uh, the choice of uh, startup was um, was explained, but we're not not spreading. So basically, we we're currently merged with uh, with another company, and we're we're in thirty five countries really. So, but um, under a different brand. So, and under the Feds brand, we're we're just um, MENA region. So basically, what we call every Arabic speaking country really is where we want to have presence. But we do cover. Um, a lot of regions. So part of my responsibility as well is Turkey, 
uh, and some part of Europe as well. But we have presence in the US, we have presence in the UK, China, Japan, Australia, uh, uh, Russia, and the headquarters is in, is, is in actually in Malaysia. So with the, with the merger of the companies, we, we really did spread. And um, what we're finding is uh, starting early here and being allowed to innovate and getting our regulations earlier than um, countries. So for instance, we got our regulation in, in uh, UAE before the US finalized uh, part 107. Uh, that gave us a heads up on, on other operators. It gave us two years of flying. It gave us two years of, uh, you know, uh, learn and, and adapt and improve our applications. So we're, um, we're slightly even ahead of, the, ahead of the curve with when it comes to how to process data to get, you know, the reports that really the clients are, are uh, looking for, mostly driven by the fact that we got early regulation. So we, we got this two years heads, uh, heads, you know, ahead of um, a lot of the markets and there's still limitation. So in, for instance, in Europe, uh, you cannot fly in cities, you cannot fly in a lot of areas. But it's very easy to fly in rural areas. In, in this part of the world, it's really hard to fly everywhere. But when you're allowed to fly, the, how do I put it? So you, while it's heavily regulated, you're always allowed to fly. It's just, it's just regulated. It's, it's controlled. It's, it's, it's complicated and it's hard, but you can fly. Where the laws in other European countries, just you can't fly. There's no, you know, uh, you could get an exemption, but exemption takes three to four months to apply. And, you know, it needs to be justified and so on. So... Again, another thing we got lucky with here is the kind of regulation that is because it's so tight. It was it allowed us to be um, controlled, but allowed to on, to innovate. So that, again, two years had uh, experience ahead of everyone else uh, really helped us. So we're not discounting Europe at all. We're starting to move. We're start, we're starting to export our knowledge to to other parts of the world. We're bidding in contracts in US, in UK, in. Um, Obviously, a lot of a lot of countries in Africa as well. I can't remember what else, um, but yeah, we're participating on on global tender, so it's not we're not limited to the Middle East anymore. Great, great. I shared uh, Rabia uh, LinkedIn. Uh, if you like to connect with him and also ask him uh, more uh, questions, I'm going to take some questions from uh, the participants. How challenging is to convince business to move to the drone services? That's a fantastic. That's a fantastic question. That's like you know that was uh, that what we spent the first five years of um, of our company doing just convince companies to use drones. Uh, it, it was really hard to be honest. It, it was we always met with the if it's not broken why fix it. So I'm not you know it, it was hard for them to see that we're bringing you a solution to save you money. You're so, paving the way. Yeah. So I mean, I mean I can give you a few example and. Um, I see the questions here. I think Desiree asked a question. Desiree, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Desiree. So, um, so if I give you an example of when the, when the oil barrel was crashing a few years back, uh, we came to the oil and gas companies and said, look, you know, we have this drone solution. It's like, sorry, we don't have budget for innovation. It's like, but I'm replacing the helicopter that costs you a day, uh, sorry, an hour, what a drone service would cost for a whole day, and we give you better data. But it just, it was so hard to convert um, their minds in this case because they saw us as innovation and, and like a waste of money. In other cases, it was for the construction industry. When what, what, what we learned doing this is when a company wins a bid, let's say to, to build a, a mega project or whatever, they have their kind of MO. So I know when I win, I need, I will call this truck company, I will call this surveyor, I will call this guy. So this project manager knows exactly who to call and they know their procedure. 
and it works and it made them money in the past and they were you know so our challenge was to you know tell them that what you're doing is it's okay but this is what we used to do in the 70s you know it's time to move on it's time to adapt and it, it was tough so it's not as tough anymore um one of the good things that corona did after all the damage is it brought drones to the front line of of almost everyone so before covid drones are either they kill people or they shut down airports nobody thought of drones as you know a good machine that could help or do things but with um, with the covid restrictions everybody started realizing okay if there was a drone i could have delivered medicine to these people because uh, i'm sure you all remember in the beginning of the pandemic everybody was scared nobody would leave their home and we needed stuff so we all knew if i if we had a drone delivery system so this is when there was a push from government to start speeding up drone logistics so so things are changing today but it is hard uh, a lot of people also still think we we do meetings with companies that they still believe drones are illegal so you know in their when you come to this like oh no no we can't do that drones are illegal so there's a lot of misconception still uh so you know to summarize your answer is if it's not broken don't fix it they don't want us in a lot of companies still think it's illegal they still see us as a, you know innovation company not really a a money saving tool uh, but after all these years we have enough evidence so if you have someone you want to convince uh, we're happy to talk to them now we have enough case study basically to to prove to anyone that it works yeah now you have use cases you have yeah. more of uh, indeed uh, uh, that makes a difference and i'm going to take uh, sharbil milham uh, question about privacy issues how are you dealing with that okay there's a lot of uh, situations here <laughs> yeah so especially in cities yeah Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is why drones needs to be regulated. Uh, obviously, misuse of any technology can happen, right? We shouldn't. Anybody can use their cell phone to invade on people's privacy. So that's that's a fact. So you don't want people taking pictures of you when when you're doing whatever, when you're on your balcony, when you're on beach, when you're on the street, when you're driving. You don't want people taking your picture, irrelevant what the source is. The drone makes it worse because they have this ability to to fly over you or over your property and do this. So. obviously it's not supposed to happen but then again misuse will happen with any piece of technology with a computer with a phone with whatever but there is ways to control it uh, what we've been proposing for years now for any for all governments is to treat drones like we treat cars right nobody buys a car from a, from a storeroom test it out drive it around for a while and then decide you know what i like this car business i'm going to get a driving license and i'm going to go register it and i got a plate number and you know i'm going to make it legal it doesn't happen that way right so you cannot leave a showroom without a driving license without insurance without a a a registered plate so that way if you if you do something illegal we can immediately track you and catch you so this is what we're trying to encourage the governments all governments to do the same when a drone, when you buy a drone you buy it with your drone license and you get a plate number that is digital so i can detect it from wherever i am somebody flies over your house you can scan it just like a barcode or a digital signature and you report that immediately on something called UTM that will immediately show to the authorities so privacy issues will not be an issue because it will be regulated and then again people will steal cars people will misuse phones and people will misuse drones but in the sense of regulation it can be controlled and obviously when you're dealing with with big companies they will not use their drones in in you know privacy invasion ways so for instance we have strict procedures that our cameras don't point at residentials and there's also this misconception that drones can see a lot more than they can actually do So when I'm operating for 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 um, commercial purposes, my flight altitude is around 100 meters. From 100 meters, I cannot see 
details. So there's there's fairly it's fairly private. If I'm flying over cities, for instance, we cannot see that much details. Uh, and when we're flying close up, usually this is for uh, critical asset inspection. It's not in places where privacy is an issue. So you're in an industrial site, you're on you're on an oil and gas rig, you're in you're inspecting a bridge or a power line or something like this. Uh, but you know, you know your concerns are valid, and this is partly why it took so long to regulate drones in so many countries because of the misuse. But controlling them isn't that hard. Yeah. So I'm going to run a third poll. Meanwhile, uh, there's a question, and I will also rephrase it from Prince Cromwell from, I think he's from Ghana. How do you or I get a system into my country? But I'm going to rephrase it. If you get commissioned in in Ghana, what are the challenges from legal perspective and, uh, you know, shipping perspective and I'm sure you face such such situations. All right. So shipping drones to Ghana is actually not hard. We've sent drones before. So it depends on the regulation, uh, Prince. So if usually when the end user is a government body, then it is irrelevant. Your, your product will be shipped. So they will, all they need to do is send the send the uh, whatever document letter to, to customs and it will be cleared. And again, it, like for, for instance, to Saudi, you cannot ship a drone unless you, you send the serial number in advance and uh, connect it to your uh, ID and register with civil aviation. And then the internal security will investigate if you're you know, a person of good behavior before they allow you to own that drone, which creates a problem because how do you buy a drone in advance? And because, you know, if you can't buy the drone because you need a serial number, right? So which create business for, for companies like us because we sell them from here. We, we sell the serial number really. And then we wait a month or two months or three months, whenever to... So it's a, it's a very big question. If you want to fly a drone for fun, most countries have the below 250 grams uh, rule. So you can get a drone that is 249 grams, and that should be legal in almost every country to fly. Please don't check before you fly and say, you know, Rabia told me to fly in that country. So most countries allow 250 grams and below to be operated by, by hobbyists. Um, for enterprise purposes, you'll obviously need to be registered uh, depending on which countries. Most countries are civil aviation. And others are the Ministry of Interior, some, some are the military. Just make sure yeah, that is registered. And then it should, be, it should be easy to import and export. Did I get your... Yeah, I think you did. Uh, I just shared uh, another uh, poll, which let me share the results. It's really interesting. And uh, funny, uh, I did put there potatoes uh, <laughs> on purpose. Nobody chose potatoes. Just potato. for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe, maybe, who knows? But according to World Economic Forum, it's IoT, uh, smart autonomous cars, 3D printers, and artificial intelligence. Uh, there's a lot of innovation on TVs, but it's not part of the, the future technologies currently. And of course, Netflix and Chill, they are leading the future, but it's also not part of the future technologies that are going to be changing uh, the world in terms of, even though, you know, the, the Netflix, uh, you know, economical uh, Profits and everything is booming, uh, but still it's a, on a different uh, scale. It's innovation in terms of how they shifted the normal TVs and internet and how they changed uh, the world. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of innovation. So if anybody has a question and wants to take it live, we are ready now to uh, take your questions live. And uh, meanwhile, I'm going to just ask you, you know, you talked about uh, military uh, you know, I mentioned uh, taxi uh, innovation and in, I think, uh, you know, transportation and delivery. 
what do you think other usage will be for uh, you know from other things for the future that we didn't really or what do you imagine they will be um yeah i think i tried to i think i covered all of the one that could come to mind right now i didn't uh, prepare notes to but it again in the in the main application if i if i revisit agriculture there's a lot that can be done there so okay. the beyond beyond just uh, data collection and checking on the health of the plant uh, seeding can be done spraying can be done Yield so there's more innovation now on the verticals that they are currently. Yeah. So, uh, so if I give you an example, we're we're developing kind of a, an app that um, that covers a farmer on every sense. So yes, you, the drone is part of the element, but the drone will will fly, for instance, over the field. Let's say he 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 he's, he grows corn, right? So he buys. He knows that with 50 kilos of corn, he get, he gets his yearly yield. But you know, with with manual spraying, even with automated spraying, you could miss a spot. Or a spot could fail to, to, to raise. So a drone will detect this early and increase your yield. But this is not too smart, right? We're doing this already. But the future is the drone will, will also send a note to the farmer that you, you need to buy these uh, grains and tell him where to buy them from and at what cost and which market is selling them at the best rate. So, you know, combining multiple sources of data with the drone is, is again, what how you see it. And like I mentioned before, it's really a flying robot. So, so with enough power... Anything that could be done on the ground could be done really in the air. Really, I think there's two questions that was missed really early. I can see two questions that I did not answer. Oh yeah, one was on green hydrogen. Yeah, I I, I hinted at that. It's it's definitely a promising technology today. The issue with um, with it is the re- re- refilling the tanks. So we looked into it. We love how far it it flies, but it's still very expensive. The system itself and the then and the refueling system. Somebody came up with a with a solution where you could get your canisters like um, like you get your normal gas canisters at home. So instead of having your own recharging station, they would provide them. So you can pre-order them and they will deliver them. So that's also a good innovative way uh, to move forward. But we still find it a bit expensive, and personally, a bit I'm scared of it yet. So I need to see it fly more and more before you know we trust it. But it's definitely a viable solution if they cannot come up with better uh, batteries. Yes, thank you. And, Did we miss anything else? Yeah, there's uh, one from Nancy. Yeah, so so yeah, I think we we touched on that. Yeah, you can you could use GSM models with uh, to use the drones, but I don't I don't understand why you need to add uh, components to the controller. So we could uh, we can if we have more things to control. If you have a payload that requires more control, then yes, we we could we could have a bigger controller with more control to. To say, let's say you want to release something from the sky, or your drone does different things, so you could you could modify the controller to do separate things. I'm not sure if that's your question. If I answered it, if not, please uh, let me know. So uh, let's remind uh, the audience that you can have a, a certificate of participation in case uh, you read one. The, the link has just been shared, uh, and uh, the team has shared also uh, the link for uh, Rabia to connect with him and uh, also a feedback survey and our WhatsApp group, and also my uh, LinkedIn, if you wanna follow me and connect also. Um, Thank you guys really for this amazing. If possible and convenient for you to mention the overall cost for a complete program, this he's interested more in training 
and equipment to prepare and pilot. I think, uh, Rabia, I should connect with you directly. And, yeah, uh, well, please send me. I mean, there's no easy answer for you because, you know, uh, what's preparing a pilot, right? So you could fly for years before. But for the basics, just get in touch with me. We can help you out with this one. Rabia, do you want to share your email? Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll send it in the chat. It's very, it's Rabia at fez.ae. So it's, uh, okay. uh, we have a new question. Fatima, you like to ask it live if you want. Uh, thank you, George. George is the president of uh, the Lebanese IT syndicate. Uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, Fatima, would you like to take this uh, question live? Or you're going I'll, to... I'll, I'll, I'll take it here offline. Just trying to see. Okay, so the question is, can the drone possibly be used for marine and connecting with ships? Yeah. They, they have been used for marine for sure, uh, Fatima. I, I need to know what you mean by connecting for ships. But uh, but yeah, so what I mean, the, the few examples that comes to mind immediately is most ships would are equipped with drones, especially the search and rescue. So they you 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 know you're you're on board, you're you're sailing or or shipping, and then you use your drone to to kind of widen your um, your point of view. So you put it up in the air with multiple sensors and could detect stuff. Um, it could be used for many things on board the ship. So we know in search and rescue, they use them a lot. So if the, if the ship is, is going that way, they have a drone looking left and right to just kind of really have a huge wider angle view for, for search and rescue. Um, if you mean connecting ships in terms of communication, we could, we could invent this on the spot. The, 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 the drone could carry a, let's say, a COW, uh, what we call cell on wheels, but in this case, cell on, on, on flying drones. That could provide uh, internet for for a stranded ship or for two ships to communicate. So uh, again, I don't know if that's that's what you mean by your question, but um, it's definitely possible to use them. Thank you, Fatima. So if anybody has a question live, please raise your hand so we can uh, take you live. Uh, a very interesting topic, and uh, also thank you for the for the comments on this. Drones, I think they're changing our lives as we as we know it and will change a lot the future. We don't know how much they will. Uh, they've been used as, I don't know if you've seen uh, the small uh, drones to attack, you know, certain uh, people with interest where they directly, you know, jump them on, 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 the, on their body and then explode. There's a lot of usage of, uh, of of drones in the future other than you know uh, the entertainment and uh, well used as, as as you said so that's it's a big it's a big future uh, i think thank you for your great input from the netherlands uh, thank you um, and help i think uh, and thank you all uh, if you don't have any question i just want to uh, uh, tell you that this wednesday we have uh, crypto life uh, crypto talks wednesdays uh, with Tay, so join us for every week. We talk about the latest happening in crypto markets and what's the latest news, what's the new blockchain applications, and so on. That's that's a question. Uh, hopefully, I don't know uh, how much will you at this point, you know, uh, Rabia, uh, the future of blockchain and uh, and drones. I think this will be a hot topic later on. Uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, will it will be, will I mean. What we what all I can do is we will feed you know all the blocks to create the chain in blockchain because you will need all these data entries so it could be automated from the drone directly. 
Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a, that's a beautiful thing. So uh, I want to thank everybody to on this session, Rabia. If you have any last uh, comments or recommendation uh, to share uh, with the, with the team, no, not really. But uh, please, everyone, feel free to connect with me. So uh, I think uh, Rudy shared my LinkedIn and yes. and my email. Just mention the X Talks, and I'm more than happy to you know answer any questions that we didn't have time for or you you think about later. Uh, it's basically just my name. So if you put LinkedIn and then my name, you will, uh, it should appear. 